This fantastic funny comedian is in his third decade of being on our TV screens, having regularly appeared on the likes of QI, Mock the Week and Have I Got News For You, as well as hosting Live at the Apollo and Comic Relief Bake Off. But now he's extended his Tragedy Plus Time Tour to the end of 2024 and will be coming to the Marina Theatre in Lowestoft on February 15th, the Apex in Berry on June 30th and Ipswich's Corn Exchange on December the 11th. I'm over the moon to welcome Ed Byrne to the podcast. Hi Ed, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Just, just as you listed them there, I realise that Suffolk's pretty well, pretty well served by me, it has to be said. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, so, so like I said, you've obviously extended the tour um, and it's coming to, to, to those three venues in Suffolk as well as a host of others. I mean, what can you tell us about it? Tragedy plus time, which is the idea that uh, Mark Twain is supposed to come up with, which is the idea that uh, humour can be defined as tragedy plus time, and that something that's not funny at the time will become funny later. And I kind of examined that idea. I started off talking about a very minor tragedy that befell me, where my car was broken into and my bag stolen, and how it wasn't funny at the time, but literally the next night I was on stage at the comedy club making jokes about it. But then I take the whole thing a bit of a step further where I talk about the fact that it's coming up on two years now since my little brother died, which obviously was not funny at all at the time. Yeah. And one could argue could never be funny, but uh, I have managed to find a way to make it funny because that's what he would have wanted. He was a comedy writer and a comedy director, and his main thing was working with stand-up comics to help them take their jokes and turn them into a proper show with an arc and a through line. And he would want me to take his death, make it the arc and the through line of a comedy show. So as I tell the audience, if you don't laugh at this, you're the ones disrespecting the dead. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, people out there in podcast land, grab your tickets up quick for Ed's show. I understand it's selling out all over, so grab them quickly. And I and I know it's going to be it's going to be great. Now, Ed. Yeah, this is the return ticket to the Apex. Well, Very yes. I've already been there once because I already sold it out once. So come on, let's do it again. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. get to that. I'm gonna get to a bit of that actually later on. <laughs> but I mean, with this being six of the best, I've got a yeah. couple of questions from some of your biggest fans I know in the office and myself. Um, to put to you so I mean are you are you ready for these hit me brilliant okay well let's dive straight in I mean I'm 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 a massive sucker for an origin story I mean uh, all I want to know is for my first question I mean how did you first start in comedy and what made you want to take to the stage um I was always a fan uh, from a very early age and this is going to make me sound really ancient I used to listen to comedy albums okay final final LPs of people like Billy Connolly. That used to be how comedy was consumed. <laughs> yeah. If, if, you know, if you're not seeing it live, you literally put a record on the turntable. And uh, yeah, you used to Billy Connolly and not the Nine Club News and Monty Python records, uh, all of which were owned by my older brother. And um, and then, um, yeah, I, I, what I did was when I was a sort of teenager, when I was in college, I worked in the students' union. And I had to make speeches, and I, I was the ENTS guy, and then I was I, I was in charge of the services and the bar and things. And I used to have to uh, make the odd speech here and there, and I kind of got a feel for putting jokes into it. And you know, I kind of thought maybe I could uh, do this. So then I started at a comedy club in Glasgow uh, of, a, of, a, of a Wednesday night and emceed it. So that was really how I that was my first uh, that's how I got going. But yeah, it was just a mixture of people telling me I was funny and. And just you know, getting a feel for it by yeah, yeah, by through the medium of student union politics. Wow, yeah, you sort of earned, earned your stripes that way, your comedic stripes. Yeah. 
Right. Mm. I, mean, I mean, when you're running for election and you stand up in front of a hostile audience of, of, a, of a lecture theatre and they've already had five people talk about why they should be elected to office, they really, it's a, that's it. If you can get a laugh out of them, yeah. you've done pretty well, yeah. You're in. <laughs> Cool. Um, my second one, obviously, like you said, you're returning back to the Apex um, in Berry on, mm. on June 30th. And, and the last time you were here, um, I saw that you did a, a thing called hashtag pre-show pint, where you post a oh, picture yeah. of yourself, um, social media drinking at a local pub. I mean, how did that all start? And, and how do the people react when they see you come in and, and have a pint? It's a funny one, that. Uh, I, I just thought we, we just got into a habit doing it anyway hmm. and then I just started I think I posted a couple of times uh, that this is what I was doing you know just in the same way that one does on social media you, you know you let people know where you are and what you're doing and then, uh, then it just became a thing and where I turned it into a hat and it was mainly on Instagram because I think at the time I think I was shut out of my Twitter account because I'd been hacked <laughs> so uh, and, and with, with Instagram it's, it's got to be a photograph so that became the thing that when I switched to Instagram and uh, and it was quite cool because sort of I always would tag the venue I was in the bar and I'd also tag the make of the beer I was drinking which usually I would try and go for a local or at the very least a, a sort of craft uh, uh, brew mm. and then they started reposting and, uh, and yeah it kind of so now I'm followed by a load of beer bloggers and you know, <laughs> booze sites, uh, and, it's just, and so. But yeah, but a few times there was a there was a big thing. It became a funny. It became a local news story in Crew when I went into a bar there, and that happened to have a comedy club on, and everyone thought it was hilarious because everyone knew who I was. But the barman didn't. I was like, "Oh, you're here for the comedy?" And they're like, hey, come here. And that became <laughs> a running joke somehow. But yeah, occasionally I'll get a free beer. Uh, occasionally I'll get a, a, an invitation, you know, to oh, see you're in town, come and have your pre-show pint here. So that's, it's become quite nice, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it is a nice, it is a nice way. And, and yeah, I mean, we, we did a story on, on you coming here to the Nethergate. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, people love, love the story and, and love seeing you do it. And, and you can see on social media, they love it as well. Mm, yeah, it's, it is, um, it's a, it's just a, it's a nice thing that just started organically, and it's just, I just try and do it. You can't always do it. There's some towns just simply do not have a decent bar. Some towns don't <laughs> sell craft ale, and uh, so the, you know, we, we, we've a few times we've been, we, we've just missed it. I'm just gone. Yeah. Just haven't been able to do it. In fact, at the final gig of the tour, which was in uh, Plymouth, the final gig of, of, of last year, which was in Plymouth, uh, the venue I was in just didn't have a bar for miles and the, the, the one we went to it was like a private parking bazaar and then we went somewhere else and it was just, you can only you can only get served you're having food and it yeah. was just, we were just then we were running out of time so yeah the the final uh final pre-show point of 2023 was just a can in the in the dressing room <laughs> well you know that's that's not a bad one to finish it off for the year i mm-hmm. suppose um, now it's the turn of my friend and colleague James Hotchkiss, um, who said he's been a fan of yours since your Different Class tour, um, and he says, as someone that shares your passion for hill walking and, and being up mountains, he, he thoroughly enjoyed your Ed Venturing videos on YouTube, oh, yeah. and he wants to know if there are any plans to produce any more. Uh, there was there was two more that was in the can, and I'll, I'll probably pay to have them edited and just put them online. One with Daniel Sloss and one with Zoe Lyons. Um, but the simple, the, the, and it, it, it's a big ask, basically yeah. getting 
trying to drag people up a mountain with you and trying to get the, you know, when they're free, when I'm free, when the camera guy is free, it's expensive to film and all that. It's, uh, I, I won't be doing any more, unfortunately, unless some TV company decides to pony up some cash for it. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid not. What I have started doing is a, is a podcast called Ed Byrne Needs a Hobby, where rather than me taking people hill walking, which is basically me forcing other people to do my hobby with me, yeah. I've started going and doing other people's hobbies with them. So oh. I get them, I do their hobby with them, and I get them to sell their hobby to me as a pers- uh, as a prospective hobby for me to do. Wow. So that's been, and that's quite nice, because, you know, you get somebody talking about what it is that makes their heart sing, and you just, you just, you know, you just yeah. wind them up, and they just go, you know? Yeah, I mean, have you picked up any hobbies with that along the way? I, uh, very close, I came very close to taking up to, uh, CrossFit classes after doing one with Sean Robbins. Cool. But, uh, um, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so and, close. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I had a, a wine when Evans showed me some moves on the drums that I quite enjoyed. And I, I have since my, my kid has taken up the drums. We bought cool. him a drum kit. So I might start having a little noodle on that now. No, oh, cool. Brilliant. Um, uh, he also wants to know, um, James. He also wants to know about a show that he and I have a massive love for, and it's Taskmaster. Um, and we'd like to know, sort of, have you ever been approached to do it? Would you do it? And do you have a sort of competitive streak for that sort of thing? Oh, yeah. I have a hugely competitive streak. And maybe not so much with the kind of things that are on Taskmaster, which are, you know, are fairly daft and... Uh, you know, and maybe sometimes can be physical uh, prowess occasionally. <laughs> your your general knowledge quizzes and that I get fiercely competitive. You okay. know, I, I think I think I lost a few fans when I did House of Games because I just and I wouldn't even people would complain to me on Twitter that no, you know, normally on House of Games, uh, you you know, if you win like four uh, episodes, you know, you maybe you give one of the prizes to one of the other people. Yeah. So yeah, well, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't care what people normally do. I won that apron fair and square and I'm keeping it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I can't be. I just did Weakest Link there and, and won that. So I was very happy. I've won the chase. I've won Family Fortunes. I've won House of Games. Wow. So, yeah. Yes, no, I'd love to go on Taskmaster. I've, I've not been asked. Uh, the, the bottom line, uh, I, I have not been approached. Yeah. Um, and if I was, I would say yes. But uh, Channel 4 tend not to have me on things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with these, I mean, with all those other, with all those other wins, I mean, are those trophies in pride of place anywhere? They are in the downstairs bathroom. Excellent. That's where you put them. That's where both my pointless trophies are. That's where my House of Games trophy is. Um, yeah, the downstairs bathroom. Oh, fantastic! Cool. They don't actually give you a trophy for the weakest link, which is a shame. They just—I've uh, never won Mastermind. I went on Mastermind once, and I actually did pretty well. I, I did I came third, but I, uh, Tristan Tristan Gamble, you know, the uh, EastEnders actor, he was mm. on. He, he did. He did the Irish Famine. No, he didn't. No, I, I tell a lie. John Bishop was on. He did the Irish Famine. He came. He he came last. I came third, having done the Star Trek movies. I can't remember what Anika Rice's subject was, but Tristan was the Apollo moon landings. That was it. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, he romped home for a win, so yeah. that was you know snatched from me. Are you tempted to take uh, t- attempt to take a return on that just to try again? 
I'd go back on Mastermind. Yeah, I wanted to do Prince, but I couldn't because Beverly Knight was doing Prince on the same series. So uh, maybe if no one does Prince on the series, I got, I got a chance to do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so now's the turn of another one of my friends and colleagues, Cameron Reed. Um, and the first thing he'd like to know is, I mean, how as a comedian do you cope when a joke doesn't really hit the mark with the audience as you've wanted? Uh, well, it depends. It depends on whether it's a joke that you're still working on. And you kind of go, oh, I'm sure that's funny. And the audience don't, just still just don't like it. Mm. Uh, and then you've got to, and it, when, that's, when it's the case with a joke like that, it's, you're, you're just doing it at, uh, at small clubs or sort of open mic nights. And you, when you're still trying something out, sure. then it's more kind of a, a problem because you kind of go, right, I've got to fix this somehow. And particularly if it's something you really believe in. If it's a joke that normally works and yeah. then you do it one night and it doesn't work, that's just the way. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. That, it can, that can just happen anytime. It's always a surprise when it does, especially when. But it's incredibly interesting how binary comedy can be in that a joke that normally works incredibly well one night will get nothing. Won't just get like less than it normally gets. Will either get a big laugh or get nothing. And you and then you kind of have to go, wow, what happened there? Hmm. What? You know, it's not like I tape every show and go back and study it around like that. No. Sometimes you just think, right, I must have just altered the timing here or there or something like that. And uh, and 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 it just didn't just didn't really fly. Yeah. And it can happen. It's, I had a routine in the uh, from a, was it from the last tour. Yeah, it was something to do with, with with the skills I had that had come with age, skills that I had developed as I gotten older and how some of them are. You know, they're not stuff you can be proud of, but they're still stuff you can be happy with. For instance, yeah. I'm very happy with the fact that ever since I took, ever since I hit my forties, I've been able to, uh, I've, I've developed a skill of being able to recognise when a cramp is going to happen and stopping it before it does. <laughs> you know? and that's a really great skill. Yeah, you know? and I'd always got a laugh, and then it stopped getting a laugh, and I couldn't figure out why. And then I went back and listened to an early recording of myself, and I realised I had changed the wording just a tiny bit. Oh. I'd stopped saying the word recognise. And that was a weird thing. I'd stopped saying, I, I just said something like, I developed a skill of being able to stop a cramp before it starts or something, or being able to tell when a cramp is going to happen and stop it. And yeah. it just, something in the rhythm and something in the word just stopped working. Wow. And I went back, I said, I went back and I said, oh, I used to say recognize, and that just worked better. And, it, and, then, and, and, then, I, and, then, did, and then did the joke just fly after that? It was so, and it, all that kind of stuff is always so interesting to me. Yeah. Just how little a thing has to change and what a, a minor tweak has to be made. Wow. That's the difference between a wry smile and a laugh. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it sort of rolls into it sort of rolls into Cameron's last question and the last question of the of the podcast. I mean, what's the best lesson that you've learned over the years for uh, being a comedian? Mm. I mean, I, I think it's probably you keep a record of every joke you've done, whether you record it or write it down or something like that, because, you know, you'll forget them. Yeah. And I do, I forget a lot of stuff. And it's good to, you know, be able to go back and have a look. Yeah. I'm in the process, as everybody, everybody else is, of you know, I've, I've actually paid a woman 20 years younger than me to cut up all my old specials and stick them out on the net in sort of 30 second chunks, you know. Yeah. And she sends me the clips for approval. And I'm looking, I'm going, I do not remember saying that. I'm just like, <laughs> some of it's stuff from maybe 20 years ago. And I'm going, well, that's a funny joke. <laughs> yeah. But it's incredible. You think you'll remember it. 
because you say it again and again. You might, over the course of a tour, you might say it two or three hundred times. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you, once you stop doing it, you, you just forget them. So yeah, I would say you know write everything down or record everything. I mean these days, comedians pretty much they're recording everything anyway. You know most comedians are constantly taping themselves. Um, to then as I say to cut up and put out but yeah. if you're not already doing that and even if it's not necessarily for other people's consumption it's a good thing to just keep a record of every new joke you know everything every time you get you know, something new you write them all down put them in pads and just yeah. and just keep a record yeah because stuff that's not funny now you can go back to and retool or stuff that you put away after it's you know you, you stop using it hopefully your career will be a long one and you can go back to it 20 years from now and repurpose it and you know dust it off and, and 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 make it current again you know a lovely bit of recycling i mean are you are you are you the sort of guy then who's got a load of pads stored somewhere now with oh drugs? no i'm a great person for giving advice because <laughs> 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 with me now it's, well, it's too late now you know yeah. sure i wished i'd done it 30 years ago yeah you know so that's my advice for people starting out do it don't be like me going oh man i've probably forgotten most of the jokes i've ever written don't do that it's a brilliant, a brilliant lesson for young comedians there. Yeah. So, I mean, they were the six questions, Ed. I mean, how were they for you? I, you know, I'm exhausted, but, <laughs> but, but, but satisfied. <laughs> brilliant. How was it for you? No, no, it, it, yeah, it was definitely good for me. I mean, I, I'm less exhausted than you, but um, I definitely understand being being in my 40s, the, uh, the cramp, the cramp yep. uh, sense, definitely. <laughs> Ed Burns' extended Tragedy Plus Time Tour is coming to the Marina Theatre in Lowestoft on February 15th, the Apex in Berry on June 30th, and Ipswich's Corn Exchange on December the 11th. Thank you so much, Ed, for coming on. I've loved this, and good luck with the rest of the tour. Cheers, man.